Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Um, it is really good to be with you, kind of. Um, hey, before I get started, I just want to say that I know a lot of you have been wondering and asking me what is happening with the Cleveland church plant. So I want to invite you to stick around after uh, worship. Naomi's going to come back and do one more song. After worship, I am going to come back and share a little bit about the church plant um, and what's happening and how maybe you could get involved. Um, but we are in the middle of a series right now, like Michael said, called Mad World. And this is a look at the, the, the book of 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter is actually a letter written by the Apostle Peter, um, who was a very, very close friend of Jesus. And he was writing to these believers who had been scattered all over. And this, I think, is actually really significant because one of the things that um, Peter was addressing was the fact that, you know, one of the identity markers for Jewish believers was the fact that they got to go to the temple and that these people were able to go to the temple because they had been scattered. And, and that's why he was able to say, listen, uh, no longer is the presence of God in the temple, but you are now the temple. You are the, the, the holding place for the presence of God, which is really cool. And so I think that's actually really significant to what we're going through right now and not being able to meet um, at church. Um, but the, the book of 1 Peter is kind of about two things. It's kind of about our living hope, and it's also about living holy. So the first two chapters are about our identity, this living hope that we have, the, the, the first chapter, Andrew kicked it off and did this awesome job talking about how Jesus is our, our hope and that there's this hope that we have that's different than everybody else. Um, and it's not a hope that's based off of this false sense of optimism, but it's, it's based on Jesus. And, and then last week, Michael talked about our identity um, in Jesus, that we are chosen people, that we are sons and daughters of the king and that's who you are and how so much of who we are is is based in that and and we need to really understand that and so the next couple chapters are kind of about uh okay so what do we do then if that's who we are then how do we live what does that mean for our lives and so now what well now we're going to get into the part about how we are called to be holy people, that we're supposed to live a holy life. And holy is a word that has a lot of weird connotations. I know it can mean a lot of different things for, for different people, but really what it means is set apart. It means that we're called to be different. We're called to be not like everybody else. And, 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 and that's the, the truth. As, as believers, we're supposed to be different. I remember um, when I was a younger Christian, I had a friend who knew I went to the vineyard and he knew that we, you know, didn't get dressed up and that we, we had a, you know, a, a coffee shop in, at our church. And he was a Christian. He said, well, you know, aren't we just, aren't we supposed to be different from the world? I mean, it looks like maybe your church, you guys would just look the same. And I remember thinking, well, I don't, I don't think that we're called to be weird. I don't think we're, we're called to wear different clothes. I think we're called to be different in some other way. And so what we're going to be looking at in 1 Peter chapter 3 is the fact that we are called to be different. But how? What is it 
that, that makes us different. And, and Peter, what he talks about in chapter 3 that we'll see is not only are we called to be different, but that difference is supposed, is supposed to be intriguing to people and that it may actually be attractive to them. And so let me pray and then we will jump into uh, looking at 1 Peter chapter 3. So Lord, I just ask that you would be here with us. Would you come and speak to us wherever we are? And we just invite you to have your way. In your name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start off in verse 8, and you can follow along with me. We'll also have it up here on the screen. It says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. But really what I want to get at is that what Peter's talking about is really what makes us different. What, 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 what does make us holy? What sets us apart? And the first thing I want to look at is that we are called to live with hope. We are called to live with hope. And really, what I mean by that is we are not supposed to be people who would live in fear. We want to be people of fear. We would be people of hope. I love verse 14. It tells us that even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. It says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. See, Peter is recognizing that there are things that we could be afraid of, right? There, there are threats being made against these people. This, this was the, the church that was facing tremendous persecution. Just tremendous persecution. And, and Peter's not saying, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about it. They're not going to get you. They can't hurt you or, or they're, they're not going to really kill you or, or anything like that. He's not giving them a false sense of hope. He, 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 but he's saying, do not be afraid. And Jesus often said things like this, which can be totally confusing, where he would say things like, you know, you're going to face hardships. You're going to suffer. You're going to get thrown in jail. This and that is going to happen, but don't be afraid. And so how can we not be afraid when hard, bad things are going to happen? And, and, and this, I think, is super appropriate for us to talk about 
right now. Because I believe the conversation of, of this whole pandemic, there is so much fear that's, that's just soaking in it. And it's easy for us, no matter what side of the pandemic argument we fall on, to look at the other side and say those people are just giving into fear. Maybe you're saying those people, you guys are afraid of getting sick. You guys are afraid of dying. You're living in fear. And maybe the, the other side is saying, you're, you're afraid of losing your rights. You're just afraid of the economy and, and you know, money. And you're just afraid of those kind of things. And it's easy for us to see what the others are afraid of. And, and let me just say, for, for maybe both sides, that, that we could look and, 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 and maybe, maybe realize that fear can sometimes look like wisdom. But they're not the same thing. Like, would it be fear to, to, to put your seatbelt on when you get in the car? Not necessarily. Is it living in fear to put on, uh, you know, sunscreen when you go out in the sun? No. So it's not fear to say, you know what, I, I want to put on a mask. Or I don't feel comfortable going into large gatherings. But it's also not fear to say, listen, gosh, this is going to affect a lot of people if we don't start moving forward in our economy and, and, and reopening things. It's not necessarily fear. Now, I will say this, it might be. Both of those things might be fear. See, oftentimes, we can make the same decision using wisdom as we could using fear, but they will, they will produce way different fruits. And so the reason I say this is, is not so you can judge the people around you. I, I, I want you to look at yourself and, and I want to look at myself and say, am I being motivated by fear? No matter what, what side of the, the, the pandemic are we in, no matter what side of anything you're on, are you living in fear? Or are you living in hope? And not a false sense of hope that I can't get sick or that I can't lose money, but that I have Jesus no matter what happens. That's the kind of hope we have. And so I want to invite you into hope and that you would look into your own heart and say, am I being motivated by fear? And that you, if so, that you would come and bring it before the Lord. And let me just say, when you have that kind of hope, not a false sense of hope, but that real hope, that is attractive to people. And that's the thing that people will notice and say, man, tell me more about that. The second thing that Peter talks about is that we are supposed to live with integrity. We're supposed to be people who are integrous people. And, and over and over again in this little uh, chapter, Paul or Peter says, you know, we're supposed to do good. We're supposed to do good. He says things about like not repaying evil with evil, to keeping away from deceitful speech, to be compassionate, to to, you know, to be people of peace, all these kinds of things. And he actually he does use the phrase to do good. I love what he says in verse 16 where he says, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're supposed to have a clear conscience that we wouldn't be people who say one thing and do another thing. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be people who are, are you know, you know, 
doing all kinds of crazy things, but then saying we're, we're you know, we live for this. Um, really, what, what it looks like to be an integrous person is to live like Jesus. He's our model. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't know the way that Jesus lived, I want to encourage you to read the Gospels. I, I think it's good to read the Gospels regularly, to look at the example we have in Jesus. Peter, again, he was one of Jesus' best friends at firsthand experience of how Jesus lived. And so integrity is not saying one thing, but doing another. It's also living in a way that honors people, that puts other people before ourselves. This is, this is the example of Jesus, that he was willing to lay down his rights for others. He was willing to lay down his reputation for others. He was willing to lay down his life for others. And he would do it in public when people saw, but he would do it in private as well. And so I want to ask you, that is what you do in private different than what you do in public? Does your private life match your public life? Does the way you browse the internet, is it honoring people? Does it honor women? The way you speak when you're not around your church friends, is, it, you know, is that honoring to people? We are called to value people uh, no matter who they are and honor people. We're supposed to do good. And, and so when we do that, when we treat people well, people will notice that and say, that's, that's different than what I see in the rest of the world. So that's two. We're supposed to, to live with integrity. Three, we're supposed to live with God. We're supposed to live with the Spirit of God walking with us, walking behind us, walking in front of us, indwelling us. See, this is the most important thing. This is what I believe really sets us apart, is that we are people of the presence of God. Peter says in verse 18, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See, we often say Jesus died to pay for our sins. And we think of it as our ticket to heaven, which, which I believe it is. But you know what else it is? And maybe even more importantly, it, is, it was the thing that brought you into relationship with God. It brought you so that you could have union with the living God. And out of everything else in my life, nothing has impacted me more than this. More than just meeting with Jesus. This has been so life-changing for me. I love Jesus' teachings. I love reading the Bible. I love going to church. I love spiritual disciplines. I love all those things. And they have really impacted my life. But nothing has changed my life as much as getting to know Jesus. Getting to know the living God. And so when we do that, people will notice and say, there's something different about you. And they may not be able to put their finger on it, but they'll notice. And listen, this is the whole reason why we want to plant a church in Cleveland. Because we believe that people, their lives will be changed if they encounter God. And we believe that God wants the world to know about him. That's why in verse 15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
But do this with gentleness and respect. This is saying that people are going to notice. People are going to see that you're different and they're going to come to you and we need to be prepared to tell them why we are different. We need to be prepared to, to tell people, this is what God has done in my life. I love how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, we were, Paul is saying here that we're called to speak on behalf of God, saying, come on, God loves you. He wants to be reconciled to you. Peter is saying, tell people why you have hope. And so God is asking you to tell people why you're different. And let me tell you this, if you are living a life of hope, if you are living a life of integrity, if you are living a life that's connected to the presence of God, you're not going to have to go find people to tell. They're going to come to you. And let, let me just tell you, personally, I have seen this over and over again in my life. That There's lots of times where I haven't done a good job at this, where no one noticed any difference in me. And But I have noticed um, when I'm connected to God and I'm living my life in, in, in his presence and connected to him, people come to me and say, hey, JT, you're different. And I'm able to say, you know, you know why I'm different? It's not because I'm a better person. In fact, outside of Jesus, I'm a pretty lousy person. But the, what makes me different is, is Jesus. He's changed me. And so when people come to you and ask you, you know, what, why, are you, why do you have this weird hope? Or why, you know, you're different. I just don't see you gossiping like the rest of the people. Or I don't, I don't see you do this. That you would be prepared to tell them why. And, and, and a couple quick things on, on what to tell them is make it about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. You know, don't necessarily tell them about what makes me different is, you know, this system of living or the, you know, these moral beliefs that I have. It's about Jesus. Jesus is what makes us different. And tell them your personal story. Your personal story is, I think, one of the greatest tools you have for evangelism. Sometimes we think we have to know all these apologetics, but really all that apologetics means is telling people, defending uh, your relationship with God and saying, this is why I'm different. This is that word of being prepared to, to, get, to tell people is actually the word apologetics in the Greek. And so we tell them the story of, man, I was like this and then I met Jesus and now I'm like this. Or this is what Jesus has done in my life. And I also love that it says to do so with gentleness and respect. And I, I think this principle would serve us really well. We see this all throughout scripture that we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to be respectful. We are called to honor others. We're living in a time where people are so divided over everything and there's not a lot of gentleness and respect when we talk to one another in disagreements. And so what if us as believers, what if you were known in your workplace as someone who didn't throw fuel on the fire but would calm situations? What if on Facebook, when there was a debate, we didn't, you know, 
speak with it with an air of you know superiority or we didn't name call but we were gentle we honored people we respected people i believe people will notice that i will i believe it's what our world needs and so we need to be prepared to to tell people about the hope we have we need to be prepared to tell people why we live in a different way and we need to tell people about that. What's that one intangible thing that makes us different? And, and guys, it is a living hope. It's Jesus. So let me just say this. Maybe you're thinking, gosh, I, I, don't, I don't know if people would notice that I'm different. Or people don't ever come to me and, and say you're different. And maybe you're thinking right now, well, I gotta get better. I gotta try harder. I gotta, I gotta be more full of integrity and do this better and not do that. And, and, and let me just tell you um, from my personal experience and what I see in scripture is that you're gonna fail. You're not gonna do a very good job trying harder to be better. But what really changes you is, is that last thing. It's the presence of God. What transforms you, what's transformed me, what's, what, what will transform all of us is be, living a life connected with Jesus and letting us, letting him change us from the inside out. So if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling guilt right now, we just wipe that away in Jesus' name. We wipe it away and we just pray that we can get into the presence of God and let him transform us. Amen. Well, hey, I want to end by saying this. Um, this is kind of a, just a side thing. Um, but... You know, this past week, I know many of you saw the, the video of George Floyd. And before that, we saw the video of Ahmaud Arbery. And we, we've seen so many things this week. Um, and so if, if you're like me, it just, it is overwhelming and heartbreaking. And I, I don't know what the right thing for us to do as a church, as individuals. But let me just say this. I want to say to any of my black brothers and sisters who may be watching this, that, oh gosh, we honor you and we love you. We stand with you. And we, we, we are sorry that this is happening in our country and in our world. And let me just say to, to my white brothers and sisters, um, I, I don't know what the next step or, or what we need to do to, 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 to help fight this, but what I do know is maybe a good step would be to look inside of ourselves, to see if there's anything inside of our own hearts that um, have, you know, that are, that are adding to this, this issue of racism in our country. Because I promise you, inside of all of us, there's just brokenness that we might be unaware of. And so with that, let me just say, with this issue and with all the issues we're facing, I just want to come before the Lord and just take a, a, a moment of silence where we just wait on the Holy Spirit and see if he wants to minister to us. So come Holy Spirit.
You know, I get a sense that even right as I begin talking about um, these issues, many of us just begin to feel our defenses rising. And I get that. But Lord, would you help us to, to be open to what you may be saying? And that we wouldn't be people who were defensive. We wouldn't be people who were so concerned about our rights and how we're seen. But we would be peacemakers. We would be people who would be ambassadors of your kingdom. And we give you permission to speak into our lives, to point out the things that are not of you. And we just say, when you do that, we hold them to you and just say, Lord, would you, would you change us? Whatever it is. I also, I just, I just felt like the Lord said, um, there's someone who just twisted their ankle in the past couple days. And so we just pray for your ankle. We just, in the name of Jesus, we tell your ankle to be healed. Lord, we just say we love you. And it's in your name. Amen. Um, hey, I just want to end by just sharing one more thing. Uh, you know, a couple days ago, I had this picture of us um, as individuals in our homes. And we had, um, we were spending time with the Lord, we were worshiping, and the Lord was placing in our hands these glowing orbs. And um, each orb was a different color. And when we would worship, we would lift up the orbs. And in our homes by ourselves, they just made these, these weird noises. And then, um, when we all came back together on that glorious day where we get to come worship together again, we all had our orbs and when we worshiped, we lifted them up and, and the noises that they made and the colors that they, they all had made this beautiful picture and this beautiful sound. It's like a beautiful symphony. And I felt like the Lord was saying, do not miss the opportunity to see what I'm doing in you right now. That I wanna give you a special gift right now. I want to deposit things inside of you right now that will not only bless you, will bless the whole community. And so Lord, our prayer is that we don't just get through this pandemic to come worship together, but that we would, we would be able to encounter you and have what you, and receive what you have for us in this moment. And so I just didn't want to invite you. We're going to have one more worship song and that we would, we would see what the Lord has for us. We would receive it from him. And then stick around. I'm going to share a little bit more about Cleveland. Bless you guys. <laughs>